Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to The Shit Show. Welcome to the world of the media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of The Shit Show. So this week, we've got something a little different for you guys. We've got a shit chat, which is our version of an interview with none other than New Zealander Jess Quinn. But first, we're going to tell you a little bit about what's going on in our week. So, Luce, how you been? I've been good. We've had a really weird week we've had a very busy week including a couple of interviews one which you just said with Jess Quinn which is so cool and I can't wait for you guys to hear it and then another one with John Kerwin who if you're from New Zealand that name might ring a bell he's definitely someone that we never thought we were gonna interview hey Liv yeah fuck yeah but really fucking cool and you guys are gonna be reading all about that soon so yeah no it's been Dare I say it? Quite a productive week. It has been a productive week. I was actually thinking the other night in bed, you know, when you're going over, what have I actually achieved? And I was yeah. like, actually, this week's been pretty good. I'm, yeah. I'm patting myself on the back. It's been awesome. So um, what have you been consuming this week, Luce? Okay, so first of all, Liv, we need to talk about this because I know we both finished it this week, but Little Fires Everywhere. So the last episode came out of the series that basically I've been recommending every week and Liv loves it too. So um, the last episode came out this week and honestly, a banger. This whole series. and Yeah, an absolute, it's outstanding. It's like- outstanding. Nothing compares to it. Reese with a spoon outdoes herself. God, same with Kerry Washington. Me and Liv, we have been having many a FaceTime chat about the show and pretty much we've come to the conclusion that every character is so well done, so three-dimensional. You don't know if you love them or you hate them or at certain times you feel all the things towards them. It's just amazing. Yeah, I think that's my favorite type of show is when you actually can't decide who are the good guys, who are the bad guys. Like, it's super, super intricate, the character development, and I fucking love it. So interesting, and you actually can't predict the ending, and most of the time I feel like I could kind of see what's Mm. coming, and because I haven't read the book, I didn't know what was coming, and... Yeah, I couldn't predict the ending. And then when it happened, I was like, oh, my God, like that was so well acted, so well thought out, like just amazing. For sure. For, and for anyone who has read the book, I would totally recommend watching the series as well because they did it such justice. Um, they very much, yeah, they stuck to the storyline enough. I, I Actually, they pretty much stuck to the storyline the whole way through. It's been a while since I've read the book, so I may be mistaken, but fuck, it was good. Something else that I came across this week that I can't believe I hadn't seen earlier is the blog Killer and a Sweet Thing. Liv, have you ever heard of this? Lucy, yes. I was obsessed with her, I think it was like year 13. Oh my God. Well, 
literally, because oh, I thought, how, when I feel like I'm across everything, have I missed this? Yeah. And you would have told me about it. That's the thing. You would have told me about it and I would have just been like, oh, you know, I'm too busy or I just wouldn't have looked at it. Yeah, like, but I'm I'm not sure whether I told you about it, but I think I would have. <sighs> But she's cool, eh? She's so fucking cool. So, guys, basically, it's run by someone called Eileen Kelly, who's just like, I hate to say the word millennial, but like a a sex expert for millennials or someone that just wants to bring sex into the normal conversation for just for everyone, really. It's fucking good. It's not preachy. It's a blog and an Instagram, and it's just everything that I needed to see on my hangover Saturday. So... I would recommend all of you going and reading that blog. And Liv has recommended it to me, obviously, three years ago, and I didn't remember. So, <laughs> sorry, Liv. <laughs> three years ago, probably, yeah, five years ago now, I think. But um, but that's interesting you say that because I actually haven't looked her up for a while because I know that she took a break from it. Oh, did she? Because I think her mental health had, like, deteriorated. Mm. I don't know. And I think social media kind of had a bit to play in that. And then so the last I heard, which maybe was two years ago or so, she'd actually... Taken a break. I don't know. Maybe she'd portrayed it as having a break. So it's cool that she's come back. Did you know that she dated Joe Jonas? No. I did. No, I did, a bit, I did some digging. What? Like, well, because I was real interested. I was like, who is this cool person that started this blog why do I not know her and then I so I googled her name and I started reading all the interviews she's done etc etc saw that she was with Joe Jonas is she quite famous yeah well she was I think she's also a model because when I was reading the article it was kind of going model Eileen Kelly spotted with Joe Jonas blah 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 and I was thinking like well actually she's a bit more than just a model I can't believe killer and a sweet thing is one of your recommendations that's so cool I can't believe that you were actually I can believe you're across it because we're across everything that each other usually are but like I'm actually a bit mad that you didn't tell me Lucy you have to go and look at this okay so the next thing that I was super fucking excited about this week was the release of Lennon Stella's debut album now guys I got obsessed with Lennon Stella I think in my third year of uni she released an EP for you for those of you who don't know her she's Lennon from Lennon and Maisie you might remember them singing the cup song and going viral and then um they both went on Nashville they're sisters they're fucking incredible singers like Lennon probably has the best voice like my favorite voice in the entire world so she's released her debut album and it's just really good. I just feel like I'm biased because I feel like she can do no wrong. But my favorite songs on there, if you're going to go listen to it, are Weakness and Older Than I Am at the moment. And that will probably change, but you guys should all go and listen to it. And then my last recommendation for you guys is a podcast released by the New York Times called Rabbit Hole. It's so fucking good. They've only let out two episodes, but it's basically a deep dive into the internet and internet culture. And it's looking at how this one guy got radicalized to basically buy into the far right or the alt-right movement rather and how YouTube kind of played a part in that by recommending him all these um, kind of preachers on YouTube like Stefan Molyneux and other people that preach alt-right or racist sentiments pretty much and um, 
oh, it's just fucking good. It's talking about the great replacement, which is like the conspiracy theory that um, like the New Zealand mosque shooter, people like that buy into and write their manifestos based on. And it's just so interesting. It's like a side of the internet that I'm not a part of, but I don't know. It's just so interesting to hear how people get radicalized through things like YouTube and um, forums like 8chan and you, if you want to know more you guys really need to go and listen to it and it's so well produced like it's a New York Times one by the same people that make the daily I think so if you're after some new listening go and listen to Rabbit Hole or the Rabbit Hole it's really fucking good oh, I'll definitely I'll definitely do that Liz because that's a huge side of the internet that I don't even think about even though I know it's it exists and it fucks people up and it's like so interesting to see how people are changed by the things they consume because I always think when I watch things on YouTube I always question everything I'm watching but obviously some people don't because some people are just looking for somewhere to fit in that's how like those online cults really grab Mm -hmm. vulnerable people yeah so guys definitely would recommend listening to that live what about you, doll? What have you been consuming this week? Actually, I listened to something new today. It's a podcast called Dissect, which is powered by Spotify. Dissect is a serialized music podcast. So there's, I think at the moment, there's like five or six seasons and each season they deep dive into a certain album. And it's literally like an episode per song, which is super cool. So the first season they went into Lauren Hill. The second season was, I think, To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. And then I started listening to season three, which was all about Frank Ocean. So they kind of do like a opening episode all about the artist. And it's really, really interesting. Like I thought I knew a lot about Frank Ocean, but it told me so many things I didn't know. And it really goes into like the lyrics of every song and Frank is such an interesting lyricist. So that was, that was super cool. If there's any music nerds out there that just love, you know, dissecting songs. One of the songs that it went into today was Novocaine. Fuck, I love that song. And just like the layers upon layers upon layers of meaning throughout the lyrics was insane. Like, How do they find it out? Do they actually talk to Frank himself or is it more their perception of the lyrics? I think it would be a bit of both. I think that they definitely did their research into his interviews, yeah. anything online about the songs, maybe fan theories about the songs. And then he obviously listened to the songs himself yeah. and tries to make sense of them. But super, super interesting. It's definitely going to be something I continue listening to. I think the season at the moment is Lemonade. My second recommendation is... An artist, I think he's from California, called Still Woozy, especially his song Goodie Bag. I've been obsessed with this song for a few weeks now, and it's just a good vibe, and the music video is hilarious. It's just kind of, it kind of looks budget, but it's like, I don't know, he's obviously quite a character. And guys, just just off mic before, when me and Liv rung each other and kind of were prepping for this episode I saw her recommendations and I saw that she'd put goodie bag on the list and I was literally like either me and Liv are the exact same person or she's been looking at my Spotify playlist turns out we're just the exact same person because I said to her I was like Liv have you been watching what I'm listening to because I I heard on Shrill which is the tv show I recommended I think last episode or a few episodes back 
there was a song in it that I really loved, so I actually shazammed it, which I never do, and it came up as still woozy, <laughs> goodie bag. And so I've been listening to it. I've only just been across it, and I've been listening to it. And then Liv put it on her recommendations, and I was like, what the fuck? So it's just like killer and a sweet thing. It's so weird. And, like, the thing is, this song was released in 2017. So we're both three years late to the party. We're three years too late, and we both start listening to it in the same week. Like, sorry, that's a bit fucked. Yeah, all all his music's really good. He's released a song this year called Window, which is awesome. And actually... I think his girlfriend, who's in a lot of his music videos, he sort of has like his group of friends in the music videos, which is cool. His girlfriend actually does all the artwork for the album covers and the song, the single covers. And it's, yeah, it's super cool. Like they're both obviously like pretty off the wall characters. And then my third recommendation is actually an Instagram account. Well, it's an Instagram account of a photographer and the photographer's name is Lucas... Oh, fucking hell. It's a Polish last name. We. It's probably like. Wizbowski? Yeah, Wizbowski. Mike Wizowski. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> that culturally inappropriate? Oh, I'll leave that in and the audience can decide whether that was a marginal joke. <laughs> probably same with me being like, fuck, it's a Polish name. Sorry. I, it's a beautiful, beautiful last name. I just really have issues pronouncing. It looks like it's Lucas. Wisbowski. Yeah. So he has an Instagram and he posts all of his um, like unpublished photos and they're just so freaking beautiful. I often use them because I do art at uni and I often use them as like references for my artwork. Um, they're just super cool and quite like romantic. Go take it out because I'm obsessed. Good shit, Lucas. Okay, so guys, now we're going to get into what the actual episode is all about, which is the force that is Jess Quinn. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? Dad, can you stop vacuuming because I'm trying to record a podcast? Dad! (laughs) Dad! So guys, this week we were lucky enough to sit down over Zoom and chat with Jess Quinn. And if you aren't across who Jess Quinn is, then you are going to want to be because she is so fucking cool and it, it didn't even feel like we were interviewing someone, I love it. just felt like we were mates sitting down having a catch up. No, it felt like a chat with a friend, yeah. So here's the story, folks. So you guys are going to hear Jess's story from herself in just a second, but at the age of nine, Jess lost her leg to cancer. But holy shit. That has not slowed her down. Jess has had a number of achievements in the last few years. She was on New Zealand Dancing with the Stars. She carried the Olympic torch in Korea. She submitted a petition to Parliament to combat unrealistic body image ideals in advertising and the media after seeing some photos of herself that had been retouched compared to ones that weren't. And honestly, the list goes on. She's a fucking cool person. So we thought we'd sit down and have a chat about her life, about the shit that she cares about and everything else that's going on with her. And guys, because me and Liv are still rookies, there were a couple of technical difficulties, including my microphone not actually working. But luckily, I was blessed with a very loud voice. So you can still hear me through my computer audio But it isn't about the sound quality. It's about what Jess has to say. So 
here we go. Here's our shit chat with none other than Jess Quinn. You can have all the technology in the world. I'm a professional at technology. So our chat with Jess started how every great uh, Zoom chat starts with some technical difficulties. Can you guys uh, hear me okay? I feel like you're a little bit cutty. Yeah, super yeah. laggy. We're real um, laggy. Um, I, can, I can hear you, but I can't. Oh, your video was frozen for a while. But there we go. Okay, should um, we leave the meeting, then come back? I don't have a hotspot. Yeah, should we try that? Yeah, let's do yeah. that. Bye. Whoever the hell brought this mic system, don't be the son of a bitch to put it in, I'll tell you. No, this mic is terrible. And then we actually get into it. Um, Jess, you are our very first podcast shit chat interviewee. Um, for those of you who don't follow our Instagram or website, we've got an interview series called Shit Chat, which is usually in print. And we actually tried to get Jess to do this for us earlier on, <laughs> but she was really busy. I think she, I think you were walking in Melbourne Fashion Week around this time, and I was trying to connect with you, and we just weren't looking up. But this is even better because now we're. Um, on podcast format and we can actually talk to you and see you um, and we're really pumped so we want to start off by asking you a question that we ask all of our shit chatters what do you give a shit about right now oh firstly hello everyone <laughs> it's always funny to jump <laughs> oh, into yeah. these things hello to all the ears um and thanks guys for having me on i love your podcast and your platform so i'm very grateful to be here and honored to be your first interviewee uh, or in, interviewee is that the word yeah interviewee yeah, i think so yeah. um and i also love that it's called shit chat because i feel like the pressure's taken off me and i usually have shit chat anyway so it's oh, yes. all our podcasts, <laughs> so do we we are the queens well? of shit chat yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um what do i give a shit about right now so many things like which sounds so ridiculous but it's kind of true um but i think given the climate of the world at the moment something that i really care about and the first thing that kind of popped through my brain once i worked through how this is going to affect me and my family was how this is going to affect people who already have so much going on in the corners of their own world and i think Mm -hmm. um yeah that was the first thing that came to my head and obviously I'm sure we're going to get into my story soon but something that obviously resonates with my heart is child cancer and I thought about how much we went through as a family when I had cancer and the support we had was from complete strangers of you know other mothers at school dropping meals to our house or just being someone to pick up my sisters or whatever it might be and offering that community and now going through that kind of scenario whether it's cancer or another illness or something without that direct support from other people that was kind of the first thing that came to my head um just given everything that's going on in the world so that's something i'm trying to um put my attention to and offer support towards um firstly working with child cancer but trying to see other ways that i can support people who already have it really tough and then exactly got yeah. kind of the extra toughness that we're all dealing with at the moment um so yeah that was probably a um, long-winded answer but that's something i oh that's really so true should about it must be insanely hard for people that already have crazy, crazy hard lives and then throwing this into the mix. Like I can't even imagine. Totally. And I, I had a conversation with a friend the other day. One of my main mottos, and I'll probably say it so many times throughout this talk, is that all of our mountains are relative to us. And that's something I so yes. believe in. I have so yes. many people message me being like, oh, I've hurt my ankle, but like I can't complain because you have no leg. And I'm like, yeah, but that's relative to your life and mine is relative to mine. So I think while I say that, it's also important to recognize that we're all going through a really mm. bad time and that doesn't take away from that. But yeah, that's just something I give a shit about right now. 
That's such oh, a good you're motto. You're so wise. You're so wise. <laughs> I already feel better after, for having this chat. Yeah. You're not old. You're I don't feel like my mountain's enough. irrelevant. Are you 27? Uh, I'm 27, yes. 27. Um, I still think I'm 20, like 23, 24. Do you have this yeah. thing where you have an age stuck in your head that you're... Yes, that, that you're just like never going to get past? Yeah. yeah. I'm a 12 year forever. <laughs> I think I'm 17. I think 17 is my yeah, age. I like that. Awesome. So we are super excited to be um, talking to you today. For our listeners that may not know about your story, would you be able to describe it for us? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, grab a cup of tea and get snowblue. It might be yeah. long. But yeah, that's cool. Okay. That's cool. We're in lockdown. We've got nothing better to do, honey. Exactly. I've actually, I've got my cup of tea, so I'm good to go. Nice. All right. So I was nine or actually I was eight when my whole life kind of redirected. I had a super normal childhood, um, have, have and had an amazing family and a very, yeah, just normal life. I was a really active kid. Um, and I think that often paints the picture for just how adversity can hit any of us at any kind of time um, and how our life can change in a matter of seconds. And one day I was outside playing with my older sister. I'd had no symptoms or anything before this point and I decided I was a real kind of tomboy sporty girl and I decided to stand on a soccer ball trying to like balance and show off a little yeah, bit mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden um, I fell to the ground screaming um, and it turned out that I had fractured my femur bone which is the strongest bone in your body that ideally shouldn't break that easily um, and I was rushed into hospital and they fixed the break through surgery. They put rods up my leg. Um, and then I went through the whole usual process of healing a break. And then about four months later, once I was doing rehab, I was just in so much pain and it wasn't healing. And the doctor started to realize this wasn't like the normal way a bone should react after so a break. As you said, breaking your bone like that by just standing on a soccer ball, like, did they not kind of question it at the time? Being like, this is a strange way to break a bone yeah no um it wasn't questioned Mm. at the time which is definitely um something that's gone through my mind quite a lot but I also um have just um I guess I just live by the fact that humans make errors and we can't just assume that everyone that breaks a bone um has something underlying there um but yeah definitely there was some not it wasn't an ideal situation but I've not held anyone to blame or anything because I just think humans make errors but yeah totally Mm -hmm. agree with that it was definitely quite a few red flags that should have been picked up but that happens a lot I'm sure a lot of listeners will have experienced that you go to the doctor and you are convinced something's wrong and even if it's just something small they like sometimes will um, because I'd see thousands of people with the same thing and they'd just be like oh this is whatever I know but Yeah. yeah totally and I fully understand that very frustrating but I also mm. understand so um yeah definite red flag that was missed yeah. um and then yeah I was in so much pain I couldn't walk um even though I should have been able to walk by that point so they put me through a whole lot of tests and I had an MRI and they found a mass within my femur um which they predicted was an osteosarcoma so they um did biopsy and found out that I did have an osteosarcoma so um yeah I went from a completely normal kid within Mm. four months my parents were in a a room being told that their daughter had cancer and I think it was a week later I started chemotherapy because it was pretty um bad and um yeah aggressive at that point so um yeah I did about it was about June of 2001 by that point when I started chemo um and then I had chemo right through until April 2002 um and yeah by towards the end of 2001 I was 
I was a wreck. I weighed about yeah. 18 kilos and I lost all of my hair and went through everything that you go through. Um, I had the strongest chemo at its strongest dose. And for an 18 kg girl, it's a, a very mm-hmm. aggressive way of, um, yeah, living. Yeah. Do you um, remember Do you remember how it felt and everything or, or has your brain sort of blanked I, it? A bit of both. Like there's things mm. that I remember and some things which a lot of us with our childhood are so random I'm like why does why is that the one thing I remember you know, yeah mm-hmm. yeah and yeah, am I, I remembering remember. this from a photo or do I actually yeah. remember this totally yeah, and is my absolutely. is my recollection the same as what it's actually factual you know I think our memories are really different from reality a lot of the time and we create different realities I think Recently, I actually requested my medical records, which is a stack. I'm holding out my hands as if everyone can see this, and I don't know why, because it's that's a, a stack that's really massive of all my medical records, and that's been really fascinating to put a timeline to things and read about things that I never knew, like um, doctor's notes and conversations my parents had with doctors and all of that kind of stuff that I was obviously completely oblivious to being so yeah. young. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting to hear like your parents' recollection of it versus like what you remember as well. Totally, which yeah. it has happened quite a few times. Like I always thought, um, so I'm getting to the crux of the story, but I always mm. thought that I so I ended up losing my leg and I always thought that that was something that kind of happened as a result of the cancer, not, uh, the chemo not working. But in my medical notes and conversations I've had with my dad, they found out that I was most likely going to lose my leg at the same time they found out that I had cancer. So oh, wow. it was kind of said like okay. on that same day and I've got the medical note that said like Jess's parents were told today that she has an osteosarcoma and the likelihood of losing her leg is really high. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was confirmed later in my treatment that I would definitely have to have um, an amputation of my leg just because the cancer was just too far gone and the risk of it spreading elsewhere was too high. Um, but I had unfortunately limited options in terms of the types of treatment or amputation or bone salvage situation I could have um, just because of that initial break and the prolonging of the um, discovery of my cancer. So I ended up being the, I think I was the second person. There was a a girl before me who had had the surgery that I had, who I got to meet briefly, but she unfortunately passed away. Um, But I was the second person in New Zealand to have this super rare surgery. I think there's only about nine of us now. So that's been Yeah, Liv was just telling me about the um, surgery that you had. It's it's amazing that it exists, that you can do that. Yeah, like a a science phenomenon that Mm. is mind-blowing it still blows my mind and I see specialists all the time for other things obviously I'm quite unique and I will go to a specialist about things that don't relate to my leg and I have to tell them my medical history and I'm like yeah I had a rotation plasty which is the name of the surgery and they literally just stare at me like say what (laughs) like they've even never heard of it like it's that rare yeah, yes. they recently yeah. did a um, a Grey's Anatomy episode on it, which um, no, really, did they? Really cool. yeah. Oh, that's and crazy! Like, Why did you pick me as an actress? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they should have come and interviewed you. Totally, it was For cool sure. and mind blowing and a little bit disturbing to watch. For the listeners that obviously won't know what it was, so you had your leg amputated at your hip. Yeah, and then Do you want me to jump in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get this wrong. Giving you the eyes, like I'm like. <laughs> Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Just say me. <laughs> okay, I'll try to explain it, but I highly recommend you go Google a rotation plasty just because it's yeah. really fascinating. But basically, yeah. because I had cancer in my femur bone and it was quite high into my hip socket, they decided to cut. Um, mine was really high into my hip socket. Some people's are mm. slightly lower. Um, and then below my knee, and they discarded that whole area. And then they rotated the bottom half of my leg 180 degrees and attached it at my hip. Um, so instead wow. of having a knee, I have a um, ankle and foot. So I have every like my toes and everything are still attached. Um, so if you are sitting there right now, you can imagine if you sit and move your ankle, that's backwards how I move my foot. And you can kind of imagine how that creates almost a knee movement. Yeah. Um, yeah. So instead of having a stump, like a lot of amputees have, I have a foot. So I'm basically wow. a permanent ballet dancer from the Russian ballet I like to think because yes. the way that I stand is me with a very as if I'm on a point show kind of yes. thing that's the best way I can describe it oh my gosh oh, that's you're a permanent like, fucking legend that's what you are <laughs> yeah it sounds like an idea that someone's thought of and be like yeah this could work but the fact that they've actually done it like I wake up being like I want to invent this but it's not that complex like it's not putting another like yeah, another exactly part somewhere else and hoping yeah. it will work um but yeah, yeah so that- I had that surgery um and then that was in October of 2001 and then I had a bit of a break from chemo because my immune was super weak um, mm-hmm. And about a month later, I started chemo again, which um, was the lowest point I got. So it was about Christmas Day 2001 that I nearly lost my battle just because um, my immune was so weak from having the surgery. Mm-hmm. And then I had chemo on top of that. It was um, not a pretty sight. So, and then, yeah, some form of a miracle happened and I um, got a bit better and finished chemo in April 2002. And then the real kind of challenge began when I had to learn how to live with um, a whole new body, I guess, and live yeah, a, new, wow. a new life. I often say like cancer was the easy part in hindsight and that nearly killed me, you know, like it was, yeah. yeah. And that shows how tough the recovery yeah. journey yeah. is. And I'm 27, yeah. I'm still in it. I don't think it's going to end, but um, no. it's just a part of life now. Like we all have things we go through. It's it's a part of life, but for you, a huge part of your life that you have managed to turn into something so positive And we love that about you. Something that I did really want to ask because I recently lost my little brother. And so I feel like when your life feels really hard, you look at other people that are going through like what you see as little things. And sometimes you just want to shake them. And I want to like, I want, I actually personally want to know from you, how do you get past this like you kind of talked about it before that everyone's mountain is relative but some mountains feel huge some mountains feel like super unfair and super unfair so how do you how do you not keep bitter how do you not just want to shake people it's I don't know and it's something I have wondered a lot and I'm not gonna sit here and think I'm Mother Teresa because there's a lot of times when I've gotten really bitter and I also think there's lots of different things they talk about. One of the things they talk about is that we're all on a journey and I would hate for someone to compare their adversity at the beginning to my adversity nearly 20 years on because this is just Mm -hmm. normal life for me now. So at the beginning, 
Um, I guess, I mean, at the real beginning, I was just, I was a kid. I was like, sweet, I'm back in the playground. I have yeah. two legs. Like, I'm yeah. good. Whereas like, life is simple. Naive. <laughs> and life like, is simple. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And then I got to an age where I'm like, you know what? This is fucking unfair. Um, I imagine I can swear on this podcast. Oh, absolutely. No. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> but, you know, in all honesty, there are moments where, and I still have those moments where I'm like, I'm fine. And it happened probably a couple of times a year where I'm like, this is bullshit. Like I, I would mm. like to pass the baton for a hot day and have a break mm-hmm. from all of this. Um, but I think it's also just, just life. And I, I don't, I've always wondered, you know, there's that whole conversation of nature versus nurture. And was this, was my reaction to what I went through um, nature or was it nurture and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was definitely a combination of both. They have an incredible support system an incredible family who mm. kind of helped me get through all of that stuff. Um, and also I think I am naturally maybe just an optimistic person. Um, yeah. And I always kind of, for me, it's not a matter of if there's, if my glass half empty or half full, the fact is that I have water in my cup at all, even if at points it's just a drop of water. So I that's think beautiful. that's something that's really helped me through a lot, but I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say that it's been like that the whole time. Like, and I yeah. still have moments where I'm like, this is crap and I don't actually care right now that someone has it worse than me. I actually yeah. think this is shit, you know, um, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think my teenage years were really hard, like friends or people at school worrying about like what shoes they were going to wear to the ball and I can't even wear high heels, you know, like that was those really little things almost got to me more than the big stuff because I think, yeah, it is. The remedial remedial things that other people worry about that you just don't even have the capacity in your brain to even think about worrying about. And then that's when it's kind of like, okay, guys, pick your battles. Yeah. Do you think you have to sort of feel the bitterness and live through the bitterness for a bit before you can even come to the point where you aren't feeling the bitterness anymore? Like, I definitely mm. think it's that. It was a journey for me and I got to a point where I was so low for so long through my teenage years that I was like, I'm either going to keep living in this place or I'm going to just play the cards I was dealt as if they were the cards I wanted, um, which is a Mm -hmm. favorite quote of mine because I think that's kind of really a good way to look at life. And it doesn't mean you have to be happy all the time. I think one of the most important things of through adversity or through grief or anything like that is to know that that it's okay to be sad and to be angry at the world for what you went through and what cards you were dealt, but for also knowing that we only get one life and Mm -hmm. kind of being miserable all of the time is not going to help um bring your old life back or whatever that was so yeah I mean I'm going I've had a really rough kind of 12 to 18 months and I'm kind of back in that place not in a dark place I still have a really optimistic outlook of life but I have days where I'm like fuck this I'm gonna throw my leg across the room yeah I want two legs right now you know so um and it's because you're human that is just because you're human going through it I got to an age when I was a teenager and I I basically, I realized the implications of what that was going to have on my future. And I remember I had a really morbid thought once and I was like, I'm literally going to die with one leg. Like my leg's not growing Mm. back. Like I remember Mm. having that thought and I was like, shit, I'm going to have kids if I end up having kids with, and with one leg and I'm going to have to go through all that again. You know, it's like you realize how permanent things are. Um, and that was just a process and I still have that, but, um, for me, all of the negativity that has been um, brought into my life has been completely outweighed by all the positive stuff that has Which also brought. Which is yeah, so, beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I think that's when perspective comes in a little bit. Do you feel a disconnect between the you today and the you that you see in those photos of you in the hospital bed? Like, is it does it oh, still yeah. feel like you or is it like almost like it happened to someone else? 
yeah it's um it's definitely like it happened to someone else it's the weirdest Mm. thing and I think because like I touched on before I have slight recollections of moments but I mean I think there's two things there part of it is because I was so young at the time and another part of it was because um I just trauma probably blocked my memories but yeah um yeah there's definitely like I look through old photos or I'll read my medical notes like I was saying and it's almost like I'm like floating above my life and like seeing that happen to someone else it's really weird that that was like like literally the body that I'm in right now like that was that person experience yeah like nine-year-old Jess seems yeah yeah like totally different being Jess I feel like you're like a walking quote book. Like you're just, I need to carry you in my pocket. Yeah, inspiration. In a beautiful, beautiful way. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I pull you out every now and again when I have a situation I don't know how exactly. to Exactly. Do you know what's really funny is I have been a quote girl from the get-go and I think people often ask, not me, but ask everyone like, what is, what do you turn to when you need inspiration or you need hope? Yeah. And my two things are quotes and music. And I think back yeah. to when I was in, um like intermediate years and we'd get our school diary and I spent a whole like two days I think it was finding all of my favorite quotes this is at the beginning of the year so I was ready to go to school and on each day I wrote a different quote so that throughout that year I would have a different quote Aww. to read and I remember getting so much shit for it um <laughs> and like, oh that's so weird and then like if I think about it now I have like 800 quotes saved into my Pinterest like it's just something I've always turned to and I share them like every day on my Instagram yeah. um and now it's what I speak about and it's what I talk to it's funny how it just it's like it's of, followed you through your life yeah totally which is awesome so much it's, it's like someone else can put into words things that I can't put into words you know it's a very good quote it's a very interesting So Jess, I was thinking we could now move into what your life is like at the moment. So you've made your life really public um, and we fucking love it because we get to see the ins and outs of your days and what you struggle with and what you're thriving in. How do you use Instagram? I know for me, I would feel pretty vulnerable having like my face and my body out there do you feel like that empowers you yeah it's been a um a place I've had to navigate I completely fell into this Instagram world Mm. I had a photo go viral and I got I think 70,000 followers within a couple of months so um it it, I yeah I literally had to navigate this world and it's kind of just growing since so it's been a progression of um, me finding my confidence through that. I've always been a really confident person about my story and about all of that. And I think the more I shared, the more I realized what came back to me. And I don't just mean for my own life, but the messages I got of support and that worked both ways. I was clearly in some way helping someone, but they were also helping me by giving me this platform where my confidence could keep growing. I think in a weird way, we can relate to that because we Mm. put out content about the news but the content that we get back from people that are so much more educated than us teaching us things like it's a real transaction as well we get as much out of it as they get yeah it's a a two-way relationship totally and And like 90% of the messages I get through usually start with a I'm so sorry to bother you or something like that yeah and I'm always like like it makes my day getting messages like I hear people complaining about how like full their inboxes but I love it like it's so I mean yes it can be taxing and draining and it's hard to draw the line between work and life but um Mm. I love that it's a two-way street and I always knew in in my heart that I wanted to do something with my story in my future this was when I was younger and I just never knew what that was so it's kind of just fallen into place like I 
have just progressively shared rawer and rawer stuff Mm -hmm. like I now share exactly what my surgery looks like I have been having issues with swelling and I one day took a photo of me with cabbage on my foot because I heard it helps with swelling and I posted yeah. that. But I also forget the significance of the number, you know, like it's, I don't know, 5,000, 10,000 people likes your photos. I'm like, oh, that's really great. But like you, when you think about that, like I do public speaking and I'll speak to 600 people and that's a lot of people. And it's I'm a like, huge room with all these eyes yeah, on you. Yeah, totally. we, think like, we think about that too. We think about that so like, much. It's a it lot of people like and I think... Of- putting out information into a void and then you kind of yeah. get these random like numbers back it's but so weird can't fathom it so totally and weird. I think that's where um initially at the beginning I really felt the responsibility that I had to make sure I'm putting out the right messages for people because yeah. we're all so easily influenced on these platforms and you know there's a whole like how to beat the algorithm all this and I'm like my life oh. purpose is not to beat an algorithm my absolutely life is to ideally help people and, and that's why people connect person, with you right Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, Who the fuck so, cares yeah, about an algorithm? If you're going to put out content, people are going to react to it because it's good content, not because you've posted it this time with these hashtags yeah. and with this filter. Yeah, people people aren't that automated. Like, we're no. all just humans that like what we connect with. I love babies. Actually, I was only kidding. You can get the baby out of here. Jess, I listened to you in your shameless interview. You said something that was really interesting to me, and I just want to pick your brains about it. So you said that the word disabled doesn't really resonate with you because you are super abled, which I love because you are and you just make the best of every situation. Um, I know that you say this with like heaps of love in your heart and whether or not the word disabled resonates with you. I know that you're a huge role model and I know you don't like the word role model either, but um, to disabled communities, you are someone that they look up to. So do you consider yourself part of this community or where do you place yourself in terms of your disability and being a role model? Dare I say it? <laughs> um, great question. Um, and totally, this is something that a conversation that I started that got a, a really good response, but something I've also had to navigate in my own mind as to where I stand and mm-hmm. to not sound like I'm being offensive or anything like that. Obviously, if you wanted to categorize me, like we can categorize any of us. I am by society's definition disabled. I don't have a leg. So I am definitely um, at a, you know, I am disabled, um, which I have nothing against that. It's just not something, a term I've grown up um, defining myself with. I really mm-hmm. believe that it's up to us how we define ourselves and how we teach the world to treat us. Um, and for me, I don't have any issues with my situation for a little bit. I Once I had that conversation, and I had that conversation with myself before I had it on that podcast, but once I had that conversation, I was like, oh, is this just like my insecurities coming out that I don't want to be associated with? I just like tried to think about it. Um, and it's not that like I'm fully accepting and okay with with the cards that I've been dealt but for me it's the word itself and I think that goes for so many people in society the words that Mm -hmm. we place on marginalized people or vulnerable people in our community which is another phrase that I hate um it's it's you know if you're telling a five-year-old kid who just lost their leg that they are disabled which technically means that they're lacking ability that puts so many roadblocks in their mind of things that they can't do and if you look up the um synonyms of the word disabled it means weak and it means broken and words like that and in the actual Mm. definition of it which is a really 
um, harsh way to raise a kid and to show them that they yeah, like still show them they have full potential. So that was kind of what I was saying in that. It's not that I'm not a part of the community. I'm a hundred percent a part of the community, but I don't think any of us should be defined by a word that lacks our ability. And I also strongly believe, and I've said this a few times and I've worried every time that it comes off wrong, but I'm going to say it again, is that any of us, whether we have one leg, we're bound to a wheelchair or we are technically able-bodied, we all lack abilities in so many areas. Like just because I don't have a leg, I'm more able than someone else in another area, A, because of what I've went through or B, because I've, I have another part of my mind that I can use that someone else doesn't. You know, I think there's... Exactly. What you said about language just hits the nail on the head. We have so many connotations, a lot of the time subconscious connotations with language. Mm-hmm. and because disability has never been a part of my life. I've never really thought about it in that way, but that's so right. The roadblocks in a, especially a child's head, it's just crazy how language has that sort of power. The one thing I fight for when I say that kind of stuff is that I'm fighting for equality in that sense. I think regardless of what you've been through, we all should have equal chances. And if you're putting languages or putting people in a box or calling them vulnerable people in our community, then it doesn't really kind of match that form of equality, I don't believe. I have a blade. I've got a spring for a foot. Like, that is a super ability. Like, I don't know many people with a spring for a foot. (laughs) Exactly. It's a super ability. I loved when you said, I know I'm pulling a lot of quotes and things. I don't realize I've done this much digging, but I loved when you said um, that diversity shouldn't really be a thing because diversity is just humankind. Like human, no one is the same. So being diverse is just being human. Yeah. You guys have pulled out all of my favorite quotes that I talked to and I think that's one of them and I I got I said that in an interview when I did my first runway show um, when I was modeling and you know they were like you know I get labeled as a disabled model or or I'll get asked like oh you're bringing so much diversity to the show and I'm like I'm not bringing any more diversity than the model behind me who has pink hair like we're all different and I think the one thing we have in common as humans is that we're different. Like literally I'm different yeah. from, I could have a twin exactly. sister and I'm still different. I don't have a twin sister, but Our if I did, are all different. So, um, I do um, want to talk yeah. about the fact that you are a model, which I am obsessed with because when <laughs> I was younger, I remember like being at high school and the big thing to watch was the Victoria's Secret show, which was just like all I was seeing. And I wasn't one of, these girls whatsoever like I was seeing your cookie cutter Victoria's Secret girl that was you know generally really thin Mm -hmm. and white and like a cisgender female so that's all I was seeing represented when I was growing up and you know forming who I was and that can't be good for anyone I don't think that show doesn't play anymore which is very telling of the times that we're living in um what do you think the state of the modeling industry is like from kind of the inside and where do you think it's heading because I've yeah I've heard you talk about tokenism and things like that before so I really want to know again it was something I kind of fell into the modeling industry I got um I got scouted by a LA based modeling agency who are my main agent um and so I've been navigating a lot, but then in hindsight, I also didn't fall into it because it's something I've always believed in, in the sense that 
I had this thing from a from kind of when I was at uni. I said I said to someone I was like I would love for a young girl walking to school who that day felt bad because her uniform didn't fit anymore or because she didn't like the shape of her ears or her eyebrows were doing weird things. A girl who felt kind of uncomfortable or or a guy in their skin to see someone like myself on a billboard who has one leg and is different and is just kind of rocking it um, and kind of know that their differences are okay. So I fell into mm-hmm. modeling, but also have always stood by that message. So it kind of married in itself. But um, yeah, I think the state of the industry, let's go back like maybe six months and pretend that we're not all in lockdown and that there's no <laughs> photo shoots happening at the moment. Yeah, um, but yeah. if you'd asked me, you know, kind of three months ago when I was living in LA modeling um, was that there's a lot of hope and I think there's a lot of change. And I think just like any industry, there's always going to be a section that is um, not changing. And I think that mm-hmm. that is okay. But I think, and I also would hate for it to just be, let's say plus size or just be, people with a disability if you like because um that's not equality you know we can still have the Victoria's mm-hmm. Secret girls in there but I think there needs to be a broader range of um diversity shown and that's something that I strongly believe in um do you think now one of the really positive things and maybe the way that the industry's heading is that you can seek out what you want to seek out so if you want to feel represented you can actually find it now Like it's not that everyone, that all modelling has changed, but it's that maybe the spectrum of what modelling is is so much broader because not everyone, but a lot of people are now seeing themselves represented and they can actually seek that out. Totally. And I think there's two things that, again, marry each other, but that I feel really strongly about. One is showing people, particularly women, in a realistic way. So I'm really strong about um, anti-photoshopping and all of that kind of stuff. Um, because even if a lot of the time there's these campaigns and there's these beautiful, um, I don't like the word plus plus size models, but that is the term. Um, there's these beautiful plus size models, but they've even been photoshopped to be slightly tighter or to have to be slightly the right smoother type skin. Of size, the right type right? of plus size, mm. totally. So that's one thing I'm really strong about. But then the other thing I'm really strong about is what you're saying is to make sure people are represented. I was never one of those kids. And I don't know if it was just because um, I never felt like I could be anything close to that. The fact that, I never saw anyone with one leg anywhere, not on a KFC ad, not anywhere except at the mm-hmm. limb center where I get my legs made um, is really a way to not kind of um, instill confidence or hope in someone. I don't love modeling if I'm truly honest. Yeah. Um, I love the change that I get to create and I work with some awesome brands and I'm going to be working with some awesome brands this year that will allow me to continue that um, representation yeah like you um, see the bigger picture of what you're doing rather than actually like wanting to yeah 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 the changes I've been able to make just in my own perception of it through doing runways and photo shoots has been yeah really cool and seeing people all over the world doing the same thing it's amazing it's incredible that's it's really nice to hear that there is like from someone from inside the industry that there is quite a lot of hope So Jess, one of the questions I had here is pretty broad. So answer it as you'd like, but what do you want from life going further? What's next for Jess? That is broad. Um, (laughs) I'm a woman with a million different missions. One is the conversation we just had on representation, on body image, on helping women just feel good um, in their own skin as they are. 
another thing I'm really passionate about and probably the main thing I'm passionate about is helping people see adversity as an obstacle, not a roadblock. Um, I think a lot of the time we see adversity um, as an actual roadblock and adversity can be anything from losing your dream job through to losing your leg. Mm-hmm. And as I said at the beginning, that mountain is relative to all of us. And I, I think there's a lot of um, link there with mental health. And so I want to kind of have that conversation and within that conversation speak to resilience um, a lot and ideally speak to young people. So that has forever been my mission. And I have kind of been dealt this hand that was a bit crap. And I want to show people that you can live through that. I have been doing that, I feel, and I want to keep doing that. And I decided to go like really hard at it. And I just signed up to do a psychology degree, which will be my yes. second degree. But it's awesome. Um, yeah, I figured I just really looked into my future, like future, future, future. And I was like, I want yeah. to be speaking about this from a place of knowledge as well as experience. And it's something that the way the brain works fascinates me so much. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the direction I'm going in at the moment. We have so much faith that you're going to go on to become the next bloody Oprah standing up there <laughs> with your quote book in your hand, preaching to us. If I don't bring a quote book out one day, there's something wrong in my life. So the question that we want to finish off on is, if you could nominate one person from your Instagram feed to replace Donald Trump. And he calls me a jackass. Who's a jackass? Who would it be and why? I wish Michelle Obama would run again, but having read, would run actually herself, I mean, but um, I love her so, so much. Me too. Oh, she's incredible. Yeah. Reading her book and hearing about how much she hates politics. I have no hope in that future. I also, I mean, I don't know if this person would be good at running a country, but as someone who I'm obsessed with and kind of want to be, hence why I'm going back to uni, is Brene Brown. I am a mad Brene Brown fan. I resonate with her. I think she's super relatable. um, And I think if she ran the world, it would be pretty cool. Or maybe like Will Smith. Yeah, Will Smith. Yeah. Well, to be honest, he's got good energy. People are gonna be better than Donald Trump. Literally, you could have said a peanut, and (laughs) 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 yeah, that peanut account I follow on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) The peanut account. What was the egg? Egg. 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 That was the best marketing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, guys, well, on that note, um, Jess, thank you so much for chatting with us. We have loved it. We'll have to get you back on another episode where we can go into all the tangents we really wanted to go down. One day. I want to be a part of the shit fam. It's so great. Oh, yeah, well, you already are. You're our first (laughs) member. You are a child now. (laughs) (laughs) That is not weird at all. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.